Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. Malachi, messenger of the Lord, prophet of the Lord, had a word for God's people, a message for God's people. Listen to verse 17 again. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Weary as in grown tired of, exhausted by, exasperated with, even burdened through. Now, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever found yourself either in a conversation or just listening to someone speak and it made you weary? So much so you found yourself tuning them out or patiently waiting for an exit to the conversation or impatiently looking for a window to shut it down. Well, Malachi says that the Israelites have wearied the eternal God. They've wearied the Lord Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. He is tired of, exhausted by, exasperated with, even burdened through their words, their talk, their conversation. And God's people ask Malachi, how? How have we wearied the Lord? How have we burdened the Lord? And Malachi answers this by asking, where is the God of justice? Now, how could this question weary God? How could these words tire the Lord? He is, after all, the God of justice. In the scriptures, we hear time and time again that the Lord hears the cry of the orphan, the cry of the widow, the sojourner. He hears the cry of the oppressed. He promises to reward the righteous and punish the wicked. Where is the God of justice is often a cry of faith. A cry of the faithful to the Lord in times of distress, in times of duress. It's a a cry when God's people suffer and wicked, the wicked prosper. It's a cry for the Lord to hear and for the Lord to act. But for God's people in Malachi's day, it was not such a cry. It was not because they were not faithful. God's people in Malachi's day had broken covenant with the Lord, which means they'd severed their relationship with God. They walked away. They abandoned the Lord. They rejected the Lord. How did they do that? By turning to other gods, by serving other gods, by worshiping other gods. But how in the world did they get here? Well, Malachi was prophesying in the middle of the 5th century B.C., almost 2,500 years ago. And in that time, God's people had only recently returned to their own land because they had been in exile, 70 years in exile, 70 years in Babylon. But God had made a way. 
And so they returned to Jerusalem. They rebuilt their homes. They rebuilt the temple. They rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. They rejoiced in the Lord, rejoiced in his blessings, rejoiced in his faithfulness. They offered sacrifices again in the temple. They renewed their covenant, their relationship with God. And they promised to be faithful to him, obedient to him. But decades had passed since that time. 50 years. 60 years. The empire of Persia still ruled their land. The Messiah that God promised, the king that God promised had not yet come. The land was not flowing with milk and honey. Their economy was in shambles. Their crops had failed. God's people struggled. They became disillusioned. They wondered, where is God? Why has he not acted? And then they doubted. Do we really belong to God? Does he really care what we do? In fact, is there really a God after all? And so they did what they wanted. Priests offered unacceptable sacrifices. Men divorced their wives simply because they found someone else, someone younger, someone with money and property, someone outside of Israel, and they adopted the idolatry of their new wives. They worshiped the false gods of their new wives, and they taught it to their children. They were unfaithful to the Lord, broke covenant with the Lord. They they sinned. And so the question in our passage, where is the God of justice, is not the cry of the faithful. It's not the cry of the obedient perplexed by suffering. It's the unbelieving cry of the unfaithful. It's the mocking cry of the disobedient, expressing doubt that God is even there. But if he is there, he doesn't seem to care one way or the other. That's why God is wearied by the question, because God knows their unfaithful hearts. And he's also wearied by these words. Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. When breaking the covenant, the Israelites have strayed so far from the Lord, wandered so far from God, that they've completely lost their bearings. They can't tell up from down, right from left, east from west. They call good what God calls evil. They celebrate what God despises. Divorcing the wives of their youth to marry a younger woman with money, that's good. Worshiping idols, that's good. And if God happens to exist, as unlikely as that possibility is, surely he delights in this, because we do. Such words weary the Lord. And then he continues his message to his people with a promise. Listen to verse 1 again. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Well, God's people question faithlessly, mockingly, where is the God of judgment? Well, he's coming. The Lord answers, I am coming to you. Suddenly. Unexpectedly you'll be surprised. But this day, the day of the Lord's coming, his advent will not be an enjoyable day. It will not be a delightful day. Malachi describes it as unpleasant, difficult. 
a day that will bring division, a day that will bring conflict. Malachi says, when the Lord appears, who can endure it? Who can stand? Because he comes to refine. When he comes, he comes to refine. And he comes to judge. The Lord will judge. In other words, when the Lord comes, he will establish justice. He will hold court, put his people on trial, and they will find that he does not approve of evil. He does not delight in evil. And in this trial, the Lord will not only preside as judge, but also as prosecutor and also as witness, so that sin and wickedness and evil are called to account. Condemned. Sentenced. So that those who have broken covenant, broken the law, are called to account. Condemned. Sentenced. Including, Malachi highlights these, including those who have mistreated widows, those who have mistreated orphans and sojourners and hired workers, including those who have practiced magic, committed adultery, including those who have not feared the Lord. He will judge. And he will refine like a fire. Notice the Lord does not come as a consuming fire, burning in hot wrath against sin. He certainly could. But they are his people. He comes to his covenant people. They may have strayed from him. They may have rejected him. They may have broken covenant with him, but he won't. The Lord is faithful, faithful to his promises. He is their God. He has loved them and he loves them still. So he comes as a refining fire, a fire that melts metal, precious metals like gold and silver in order to remove the impurities, the discolorations. He he comes like a soap a cleansing lather to remove dirt and stains from clothing. The Lord will remove unrighteousness. He will cleanse the sin of his people. He'll make them whole. Make them beautiful. But before he arrives, before his advent, he will send a messenger. Now, this was the practice of Eastern kings, Eastern rulers. Whenever they would visit part of their kingdom, part of their realm, a messenger was sent first in order to inform, to prepare the way, to pave the way, to get the people ready for the king. Now, Malachi's words, God's promise in this passage, it's already been fulfilled. And it's been fulfilled In John the Baptist. He is the messenger. Our New Testament reading from the Gospel of Mark quotes Malachi, quotes this passage from Malachi, and then says, John appeared. John came preaching in the wilderness. John called people, people, God's people to repent, to turn from their sin, to confess their sin and turn to the Lord. John came baptizing. John proclaimed that one would come after him who would be mightier, greater, who would baptize with the Holy Spirit. 
John's ministry was to inform, to prepare, to pave the way for the king, for the Lord, who has come. In Jesus, Malachi's words are fulfilled in Christmas because Christmas celebrates the miracle of miracles, how the Lord himself came to his people suddenly, unexpectedly, surprisingly, in a way no one would have ever imagined. God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, entered creation, entered the womb of a young woman from Nazareth, and took on flesh. God became incarnate. A man, a baby, and he did so without ceasing to be God and was born to Mary in a stable in Bethlehem. He was announced by angels. He was adored by shepherds. He was marked by a star, Jesus Christ, who is Lord. King of kings. And when he came, he caused division. When he came, he caused conflict over his ministry, over his identity, so much so that he was put to death. He was rejected and put to death. And thousands of years later, the one born in Bethlehem continues to cause division, continues to cause conflict, both without and within. How about you? Are you struggling? Are you disillusioned? Are you full of doubt? Do you wonder why God doesn't act right now in your life, around your life? Do you wonder if he really cares? Or even if he's, if he's really there? Well, the answer is yes. He is. God does exist. God is there. And yes, he cares. He came seeking you out in love. That's what Christmas celebrates. That's the reason for the season. The Lord came seeking you out because you needed to be found. You were lost, lost in your sin. He came seeking you out so that you might know him, be in relationship with him, covenant with him, that you would claim him as your own. And not only does God exist, not only does he care about you, he also cares about what you do or don't do. Jesus came to judge, to call sin and wickedness and evil to account, to condemn it, to sentence it. But first, he shows you what it is. Through his life and teaching, Jesus gives you correct bearings for your life. He orients you in the proper direction. He shows you good and evil. He shows you right and wrong. And he does so by demonstrating to you how God desires you to live. In fact, how he designed you to live, which is in love. Loving God and loving your neighbor. 
which means, which means God designed you to live selfless. He designed you to live outside of yourself, focused outside of yourself, not focused on you. And when you fail to love, you sin. And Jesus, Jesus shows that it's not just what you do or don't do, it's also your heart. Sin is within, evil is within your thoughts and your desires, your inclinations, your intentions. And Jesus is witness to that because he knows your heart. And God's sentence for those guilty of sin is death. It's death. But the gospel, the good news, is that the judge is judged in your place. The one born in Bethlehem takes upon himself your sentence, your condemnation, your sin, and he takes it to the cross. Jesus takes your place. Which means in Jesus and through Jesus, you're free. You are no longer condemned. You are no longer under judgment. You are given new life, new life that you can live for him and in him and through him, new life following him. And to do so, not as a burden, but out of gratitude, out of devotion because of what he did for you. He came to judge and he came to refine he is the refiner. Through the Holy Spirit, the Lord refines you. The, the, the image that Malachi gives in our passage is of a refiner seated, attentive to his work, attentive to you. You are precious in his sight like silver, gold. He watches you patiently, applies the flame expertly, melting you, reforming you, carefully and lovingly purifying your impurities in your heart, in your soul, in your life washing you patiently, expertly, lovingly, scrubbing your stains, your, your blemishes, your marks, your spots in your heart, in your soul, in your life, cleansing you. But both can be painful. The refiner's fire and the cleaner's soap can be painful. Both can hurt. But this shows that, that the Lord uses the suffering in your life, the struggles in your life, the pain in your life. He uses them for your good. It's the refiner's fire. It's the cleansing lather. And the goal is to make you more and more holy. The goal is to make you more and more pure. The goal is to make you more and more beautiful in his sight, more and more like Jesus Christ. So here at Christmas, celebrating his birth, celebrating his coming, celebrating his verse, first advent, remember Jesus came to judge and he will come again to judge. Malachi's words are already and not yet. They've already been fulfilled, but they're not yet complete. There's still sin in the world. There's, there's still evil in the world. There's still wickedness in the world. Evil is still called good. And, and someday, and some say that the Lord delights in evil. Death is still mighty. It might seem like God doesn't care or that God isn't there. But Christmas is an annual reminder. He is there. He does care. He has loved you. 
He has come for you. He has died for you. The judge was judged in your place and he will come again. He'll come again to judge. He'll come again to refine. And in his second coming, he will make all wrongs right. In his second coming, death will be completely undone and finally undone. In his second coming, the wicked who do not turn to him and receive him will be cast into fire. In his second coming, those who receive the gift of the babe born in Bethlehem will live eternally with him. King of kings and Lord of lords. And live with him forever in light and joy and peace and love. Hallelujah and amen. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 